there. I'm Mindy Jensen. And I'm Carl Jensen. And this is the Mindy and Carl on Money Podcast, where we talk about what happens after you reach financial independence. Why do we call this show Mindy on Money? It's called Mindy on Money because Mindy isn't going to be on the moon anytime soon. Wait, I did buy you a ticket on a SpaceX rocket for a moon landing. Did wow. you know that? Yeah, it's going to be great. Did you get me life insurance too? I did. <laughs> do they even give life insurance for moons? Probably not. <laughs> Okay, on this episode of the Mindy and Carl on Money podcast, Carl and I sit down and talk to Diana Merriam about moving from a scarcity mindset to one of abundance. Uh, it was such a good conversation. Um, everyone needs to listen to this. Diane has so much wisdom in this topic. But we also talk about economy and Skyline Chili or Cincinnati Chili, which Mindy is a huge, huge, huge fan of. No, I'm not. But before we get started, let's take a quick break. In this episode, Diana shared a list of six books and also a discount code for economy if you're interested in attending. Go to mindyonmoney.com slash economy, and that's economy with an E on the end, to see the books and discount code. That's mindyonmoney.com slash E-C-O-N-O-M-E. That's a weird thing to spell. It's like Mississippi. There's lots of vowels and consonants mixed in there. Yeah, you know what? We're going to throw you a bone, and we're also going to spell it economy the normal way and just redirect it to the correct page. E-C-O-N-O-M-E. It's almost like a palindrome, but it's not. Yeah, almost, but not quite. It's, It's a weird word. It's a good word, though. Okay, let's jump in. Before we get into it, I want to start out with a very controversial topic that's near and dear to all three of our hearts for different reasons. You all have experience with this topic, although you two both have a longer history than me. Minnie's looking at me ominously. It is Cincinnati chili, which I love, oh. and you two do not. And Mindy first tried it like 20 years ago, right? Yes. It was more than tw- – it was probably like 30 years ago. I was working for a woman doing graphic design, and there was a newsletter uh, that is now defunct, uh, probably because they recommended this vile garbage <laughs> But this whole entire newsletter was about Skyline Chili and this Cincinnati Chili, and they kept talking about how amazing it was. We were living in Chicago at the time, and my dad had some sort of conference in Atlanta that we drove to, because why fly when you can drive 26 hours or whatever? So we drove down there, and we took a detour back through Cincinnati so we could stop at this Skyline Chili because I would not stop talking about it because this newsletter made it sound like it was just heaven in your mouth. And we all sat down and there's like chili three-way, chili four-way, chili five-way. And this is a family show. So three-way means like with beans and cheese or onions or something. And four-way means like there's more, they just pile more stuff on top of this chili. So we get it. And like they put it on spaghetti too, which is like, strange but not the strangest part about this this food you take a bite and you're like it's called chili but where's the chili powder it's like pumpkin spice chili i've heard somebody call it that they use nutmeg and cinnamon instead of chili and if you think that sounds good you're wrong diana went there on her first date and she liked it so much that she is going to have it at her wedding. Can you believe that? No, you're getting the story wrong, Carl. And I've told you this story a million times because <laughs> every time we record together, you bring up Skyline. I think you're obsessed. He is. Um, I am. 
So you're going to have it very soon here because you're coming to Cincinnati, hopefully twice this year. First for economy. And we are wearing the same shirt. Amazing. First for economy. And second, you guys are invited to my wedding. So you're going to get multiple opportunities to have Skyline. So the story is that on my first date with my Midwestern gentleman, I had been living in Cincinnati for a year. I moved here from New York City and I'm driving him home after our first date and we pass like a billboard that was close to a Skyline. And I just pointed to it and was like, you know, I've never tried this. I've lived here for a year, never tried Skyline. And he's like, pull over right now. And so I watched this man house a like five way or whatever it was and like two conies and I'm sitting there horrified this was on our first date and I will tell you I really didn't think we were going to go on a second date but I was like we ended up going on a second date like two two weeks later but yeah I was so grossed out by it and he loves Skyline like his whole family loves Skyline every time his parents come in to visit we all go to Skyline and I ordered a salad they have like one salad on the menu and so the running joke with us is that I told him I will eat Skyline once a year on our anniversary we consider our first date our dating anniversary because it's June 1st and he has never exercised that right we always end up doing something else, going out for a nice dinner that doesn't include gruel. <laughs> so he's never exercised that right. But at our wedding, the late night snack is going to be cheese conies. At like 10 p.m., the doors will open and the servers will descend upon us with trays of hot dogs covered in gruel with cheese on top. It's going to be fabulous. Really selling this wedding. <laughs> Hopefully there's lots of porta potties. Oh, that's not this podcast. We're not talking about extra. The kids will love that one, though. I'll give that to you, Carl. You, I mean, bathroom humor, you cannot go wrong. Let's talk about something serious. I, I think the financial independence movement has a problem, and it's that we're always making excuses for ourselves. And what I always say is, well, and those excuses are things like, well, the 4% rule should be the 3.5% rule, or... I'm just going to work one more year or blah, blah, blah. We're always making excuses for why we can't do this thing instead of trying to figure out how we can do it. And what we're trying to do is retire. So when you gave your talk at Camp Fire Rocky Mountain, it spoke to my heart because you put in better words all the things that's been churning around in my brain. Can you? And Mindy wasn't there, by the way. Can you give us a brief um, overview of your talk at Camp Fire Rocky yeah. Mountain? And I actually pulled it up and... In- looking at my slides and my notes to refresh my memory because it we did I did that speech back in July and I wrote it and I did it once and I've never talked about this really again so I'm glad that you're bringing it up um in the speech was called retirement is an optimistic act and really I was exploring this kind of tension between when you're pursuing phi And you come up with your FI number and you're doing everything you need to do to be financially responsible. All of that is kind of like based on scarcity. The pursuit of FI is based on pessimism and scarcity. But then when you actually reach FI and you retire, that is an optimistic act, right? So all of a sudden you've got to kind of like shift your like 
your mind and your soul to interact with your money differently if you're ever going to enjoy retirement. And that is a huge leap for most of us. And um, so that's kind of why I wanted to address the fact that like the the skills and the mindset that get us to FI and give us the ability to retire early kind of hinder us from enjoying what we built. Yeah, and so but- we've got to shed that stuff. Did you write that specifically for Carl? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I don't I think listen they... to you guys on that Ramit Sethi. I know you're done talking about that. But like I listened to that episode and like I don't agree with everything Ramit says, but I do think he makes some valid points. But at the same time, I feel like you guys didn't have the opportunity to tell the full story. You know, like I feel like the, knowing you guys, there is more to this that wasn't included. And it's just to me, it's worth talking about it more. Yeah, I would say you're right, although we recorded for probably twice as long as what ended up coming out. And it's his show. He wants to promote people living their rich life. So he's going to edit it so it goes towards, you know, the message that he's trying to say. But and, you know, there were a few things that I didn't agree with. But for the most part, I did agree with him. Yeah. We reached out to him. We were on the show on purpose. And mm-hmm. he, you know, we took a lot away from it. Um, and, and it was absolutely a net positive to go on there. But, but yeah, you know, you do have to shift your mindset. And I think that waiting until you're retired to shift your mindset is a bad timing, bad choice. You need to start shifting yeah well before you're retired, well before you're ready to pull the plug. Because otherwise you're like, your whole life is changing instead mm-hmm. of like little incremental changes that help you kind of shift into retirement. You're not financially independent, right? Yet? No, I'm okay. not. I retired from my corporate career when I was six years away. Okay. And yeah. I just recently, a big part of this talk too is just, I just recently started telling people I retired from my corporate career at 33 years old. And most people would say like, oh, but you're still working. Oh, but you don't have 25 times your annual expenses. There's all these like, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around our common language. What is retirement, right? How could I retire if I'm not FI? And what I included in this speech, and maybe like we're switching gears too much, but I talked about how I really appreciate Leaf from Physician on Fire. He has this definition of retirement that he he says it's a verb. It's not an adjective. It's not a noun. It's a verb. And it's also a lot nicer than saying that you're unemployed, which is the reality, right? I'm unemployed. I work four hours a week. I make $1,200 a month. It's enough to cover my my expenses comfortably and I run a business that doesn't make any money right (laughs) so it's like I am for all on paper I'm not very successful and so it's isn't it nicer to say that I'm retired than I'm unemployed but I'm also financially fine I reached coast fi I have a really strong cash cushion I make enough income working four hours a week for what my family needs from me, right? And so I don't think retirement is about not working. I think it's about separating your finances from your work. And I live this 
really unique lifestyle where I get to create what I want to see in the world and the consideration for how much I'm paid is not a part of that decision making. And so I feel like I'm in an incredibly privileged position. It makes me feel rich AF. Can I can we edit that out? You can say AF. Oh, I get to live in a world or I get to create what I want to see in the world. Please repeat that one more time. Yeah, I get to create good. what I want to see in the world without any consideration of being compensated for that. I mean, that is that's the way billionaires live. You know what I mean? To yeah. like not have what kind of income I'm going to make from the work that I'm doing to be to make to have any impact on my decision making. That is that is a very unique position to be in. And even people that are financially independent wouldn't do that. Right. I was just having a debate online when I was talking about how I don't make money from my business. And people were saying, oh, well, that will only last for, you know, you can only last for so long on passion and like not making money from the work that you're doing. You're, it's going to burn you out over time. And I'm like, I think that it's an incredible position to be in that I get to do what I want to do and I don't have to worry about how much money I'm going to make from it. But let me get back to retirement as a verb. This is what Leaf says about it. He says, I love the word retire as a verb. I retired from medicine. My dad retired from his dental career after the markets recovered from the Great Recession. At some point, most of us will retire and start doing something different with our time. I'm not a big fan of retired as an adjective or retirement as a noun. People tend to get hung up on what a person can or can't do in retirement and still say that they're retired after they retire, right? So think about someone like Michael Jordan. He retired from basketball. Do we really think he's going to sit around and do nothing all day? No, he's going on to do other things with his life. And that's what I did. I retired from my corporate career and now I'm exploring this robust world of fun employment where I get to do whatever work I want to do and I don't have to worry about being paid for it. That is like a very privileged, fortunate position to be in. Yet I would people look at the fact that I make $1,200 a month and that my business isn't profitable and they feel bad for me. That is laughable. That is just laughable. I am living the dream. And yeah, so anyway, I could go on. <laughs> well, and what's the worst that could happen? We were at Camp Fi a hundred years ago with Joel from FI 180. And he has this quote that I have said so many times. He said, I left my job. What's the worst that could happen? I go back and get another job. My worst case scenario is everybody else's everyday life. Yeah. So Diana, what's the worst that can happen to you? Your $1,200 a month job goes away? What would you do? How easy here's the, is it to replace $1,200 a month? Here's the thing that just boggles my mind about how fortunate we are in the FI community. I think the FIRE movement attracts some of the most ambitious, intelligent, creative, and generous people you'll ever meet, right? That are so successful and talented. And so and I'm going to, it's going to sound very arrogant for me to throw this out here, but I am not, I am not unique of the kind of person in the fire movement. I'm, I meet people every day with very impressive careers. And when I think about my corporate career, you know, I made my clients $50 million in my corporate career. I was a salesperson. The idea that I can't figure out how to make more money 
is laughable. It's laughable because my sense of is of security is not in that twelve hundred dollars I'm making every month. My sense of security is not in my investment portfolio or my net worth. My sense of security is in my talents, my skill set, my relationships, my intellect, my sense of humor. I can leverage all of that to make more money. And the fact that I have time and space in my life to invest in a rich inner world opens up the floodgates of creativity, right? I think most people in the fire movement are not, their issue is not money, it's lack of imagination, right? And so if I need to make more money, bring it on. I'll think of something. I'm launching two things this year actually to make money because the economy isn't working the way that it is. It's not financially sustainable over the long term. And I'm not able to drum up enough sponsorship dollars to make it financially sustainable. And honestly, I hate that work. I was a salesperson. I know how to do it. I don't like it. I don't like cold calling anymore. I don't like begging people to answer me and to write me a big check. I don't want to do it anymore. If I can outsource it, awesome. If anyone's listening to this and they want to sell sponsorship to the economy conference, I have a deck for you. I have pitch emails for you and I have a prospecting list for you. I have done all the work to set you up to go out and hustle. So if you want to do that, contact me, okay? But I don't want to do it. I'm done. I'm done with that part of my life. And so there are, there are other ways that I'm going to make income in terms of I'm launching a mastermind at the next conference. I'm looking at public speaking for corporations locally here in Cincinnati to encourage their employees to take full advantage of their retirement offerings. I'm a perfect example of someone that fully leveraged the opportunity with my retirement plan. I fully funded it for five years and retired at 33. Right. And I'm not saying that they're I'm I'm not trying to convince their employees to do that. Just contribute enough to the match. If I can get them to do that, if I can inspire them to do that, imagine how much I mean, think about how much corporations spend on employee enrichment and yet financial insecurity is their number one concern. So I can help with that. And corporations in Cincinnati have big deep pockets to pay me in order to do that kind of speaking. So I don't need to do work that I don't want to do on selling sponsorships with economy because I can subsidize the income that I need for economy in other ways that are more fun for me. And that's what I'm exploring. Now, that is a creative solution that I came to because I've invested a lot of time and energy on developing intrinsic motivation, a deep inner connectedness with myself to be able to have the creativity to come up with these kind of solutions. I love economy. And when I first met you, Diana, I have to admit that uh, I didn't believe in you like I should have. And it was partially a lack of confidence because you said, oh, you should come speak at my thing and there's going to be hundreds of people. I'm like, why? This lady's crazy. Why would she want me? You're not alone in that, by the way. Yeah. So I didn't believe in it. And I, I didn't go the first year, but then I went the second year and we've been Every year since, this will be our third year going. So if there's anyone in the, in the audience who can help Diana in any way, I'd appreciate it. And I'm looking at you, Skyline Chili. I, I spent <laughs> a big sponsorship opportunity in the future, both financial and catering a lunch to the economy attendees. But seriously, this time, and I know we have a ton of economy fans. My other podcast, Mile High Fi, isn't huge. We have, I don't even know what we have, a couple thousand downloads. But in our group, there's probably like, 50 or 60 people in just our little Facebook group, maybe a quarter of them are going to economy and 
probably half our returnees. You know, I tried to join your Facebook group and you guys won't let me in. Oh, Am I in there? Yeah, we have a whole thread just devoted to economy and all the planning that we're doing for it. Let me in, Carl. I, I will. I don't know why that happened. I must have missed you in Facebook, but I will. Or maybe it could invite. be I like turned off all of my alerts. Maybe I'm in it and I'm just not getting alerts. But no. Yeah. Join the group. It's like prompting me to join. Look, okay. I'm gonna, okay. Yeah. I just pressed it. It says it's pending. So okay. let me in. And the crazy <laughs> thing about it is I didn't even start half this stuff up. It was other people within the Facebook group that said, I'm going to economy. Let's arrange meetups there. I love Cincinnati, too. I'm a Midwestern person, so I'm probably a little bit biased, but it's great. I think you're almost sold out, but not quite. 80%. This is nuts, Carl. Even since I talked to you two days ago, we sold so many more tickets. We've sold 40 tickets in one week. I don't know what is going on with people, but I only have 100 tickets left. We're at 80% capacity, and both official hotels are sold out. We have filled two hotels with money nerds. It's going to be one. I mean, I can't, I can't curse, but we, it's going to be an insane party. Insane. And the lineup this year, I mean, I on it, the year that you spoke, that was 2021. I thought I was never going to be able to top that lineup. And I, and I'm not saying that I have, I'm saying that I am equally excited about this lineup. And the fact that this community has so many amazing people. It's like, I just feel like I have a pipeline of speakers for so many years to come. I'd like to tie some of this together. A lot of people have this scarcity mindset that we talked about. And I think some of that comes from just lack of community. People stew around, they Mm -hmm. go on the internet. It's like, having a pain and then you go on WebMD and within five minutes you've convinced yourself you have cancer. You, you can think about your money numbers and then do some internet searches and find 5,000 articles that are going to tell you that the 4% rule is going to fail and you'll be broke and living in a box within five years after implementing it. And that's where I think events like Economy are so good because you get to see people in all walks of it, people like us who are already, well, I guess I'm retired, I'm Wi-Fi. So we're, we're not quite there. <laughs> But there are other people like that. And I think the money is actually probably the least important aspect of these events. It's the people and the inspiration you get and hearing their stories and all the cool things people are, are working on. I swear I'm not getting paid to say any of this, but we have such a <laughs> – so I, I hear people say all the time, like, I don't want to go to Camp Fire Economy or FinCon because it's going to be a bunch of people talking about index funds. But it never is that. That might come up for like – of the time, but it's people talking about their dreams, their travel tips, and all these crazy things that they want to do with their life. If If you want to be inspired, there's no better thing to do than go to something like Economy. Well, and it just shows you that there are other people like you in a similar situation. I haven't been to Economy and heard somebody say, oh, there's nobody here like me. Everybody is super excited to be there. Even the introverts are super excited to be there. Even... They're just standing there absorbing the conversation. They're still absorbing it. They're getting the the information. They're getting the uh, the community. And they're getting the sense that they're not alone on this journey. And we live in Longmont, Colorado, which is like Mecca for Phi. So it's kind of easy for us to forget about the fact that there are people who live in these Phi deserts. But they're everywhere, these Phi deserts. So having a place where you can go, where you can talk to people face to face. I mean, I meet people at every event that I then continue to have conversations with until the next event 
where I meet up with them again, say hi, and continue to have conversations with them. I mean, we've met people at Camp Buys, at Chautauquas, at uh, Economy, online in all these different groups, and just being able to communicate with somebody on the same level, in the same position, or in a similar position, or, you know, maybe somebody's a little bit ahead of you, a little bit behind you, just being able to talk to somebody who knows the language that you're speaking is so helpful and inspiring. And, you know, you can be hit with some pretty big unexpected bills. And to be like, ugh, forget this Phi thing. I'm never going to do it. It's never going to work for me. When you're in this little Phi desert and you don't have anybody to talk to about this, yeah, it can really seem like that. But when you share that with other people who are in the same community, understand what you're going through, oh, you know what? That happened to me too. And here's what I did. And just understanding and having the same language that you're speaking is so, so, so helpful. Absolutely. I truly believe that the most important things in life are your health and relationships. If you can make investments of money in those two areas, you will be richer for it. And I think about how intentional this community is in the way they spend money and the way they take care of their health. I mean, you know, as much as you know, you're, you made a good point, Carl, that people think, oh, we're just going to be talking about money the whole time. Over 30% of the economy audience is already fi and retired. They've already won the game of money. It's not something that they worry about every day anymore. They're at economy to talk about purpose and what's next in their life, right? And so, yes, there's money talk, but there's so much more because really money is just the tip of the iceberg of what we have in common. But I think the way that we live, if we're interested in FI, shows that we're a pretty intentional person. We're intentional about what, how we think about money and how we spend money. We're intentional about what we put in our bodies and how we exercise and how we take care of ourselves. But when it comes to relationships, a lot of us are just subject to who's conveniently around, right? We're friends with the people we work with. We're friends with our neighbors and the people we went to school with. Um, but if you want to be intentional about who you are allowing to influence you and how you are prioritizing the relationships in your life. It if you are if you are the kind of person that I know the Phi community is, it is worth it to get on a plane and put yourself in the room of other people that are like you. Um cuz I can't tell you tapping into this community has completely altered my path to Phi. I wouldn't have quit my job 6 years before Phi if it wasn't for the many conversations that I had with Phi people while I was making that decision. And even here's another kind of tie together between community and abundance um because we're talking about how do you move from scarcity to abundance. Um I had a job offer about a year after I quit my job and it was my dream job. It was like 150 grand a year. It was a brand that I really respected. It was running a department. The, the president of the company really wanted to hire me because I did a consulting project for them and they loved it. Right. And this, if I was still in my career, this would have been my dream job. And who did I call when I was making that decision? I called Jeremy Schneider over at personal finance club that I met because of economy. I met him at FinCon, another event that's very complimentary. And he, he turned down a job at, for, with Microsoft that paid 150 grand when he graduated college to start his own business. So he knows what it's like to walk away from money. And I said, I talked through it with him and he said, you'd be an idiot to take that job. Here's all the opportunity cost 
of you taking that job. And the president of the company was very clear that they were not going to support me producing economy and they weren't going to support me podcasting. If I took that job, I'd have to give up on my, my babies that I, you know, economy is my baby. Optimal Finance Daily is a, a job for me, like I, that I took on. I'm a host that, to that show. I don't own it. But that was their expectation is that I would deprioritize what I've created to work for them for 150 grand that I don't need. That's a huge opportunity cost, right? And so if I would have called, if I would have called my other friends and family that aren't of this FI mindset, they would have convinced me to take the job. You know, it, it's, you have to be careful about who you let influence you. And the people in this community are the most intelligent, creative, and generous people you'll ever meet. It is worth it to get on a plane. You said something so amazing earlier in our conversation. I think it's, it might be my favorite part so far. You said you get to do work that's aligned with your values. How many people get to say that? Like how many people go to a job and they're doing graphic design for a paint company? And if you really love paint and graphic design, maybe that is your life's calling. But I don't think most, I would say the overwhelming majority of people would not do whatever they're doing for free or for a minimal amount of money. It just... yeah. They're doing it. They might enjoy it. They might get some kind of purpose and meaning from it. But it's not if they could really be doing the work that's in their heart. It would not be what they do on a daily basis. And you are, and you aren't even fi yet. You're coast fi. That's what your life has has let you do. So I think people overvalue the money part and undervalue what you're doing, the living a life close to your values, totally and doing what you think you're supposed to be doing, which I think is super amazing. Here's the thing, Carl. I, I can always make more money. I can always make more money. I will never be 36 again. You know what I mean? That I am at a time in my life where I have endless energy and enthusiasm and health. I, I just, and I'm not, like to me, I think 40s and 50s are the best decades. I can't wait. I mean, Brad, Brad just had his 40th birthday last year, my Midwestern gentleman. And I mean, we celebrated big time for that because I just think I love the 40s and 50s. My friends that are in those decades, to me, it's unbelievable. So, and I'm not even there yet. I'm not even at the most exciting time of my life. And it's already so good, you know? And so I look around at the FI community and the people who share their numbers with me, and I am surrounded with people that have so much more money than me. And they look at their bank accounts and all they feel is fear. And I think it's madness. I think it's madness. The fact that we don't feel appreciative and immense gratitude at our good fortune is, is I can't wrap my head around it. We are so fortunate. And I want us to look at our bank accounts and our net worth and feel a sense of peace. I think it's really important because what I've learned about money is that it is only as valuable as your clarity on how you're going to use it and your comfort level of how much is enough. If you don't have clarity and comfort around your money, you have scarcity. And I want to help people move to abundance because no amount, no amount of money is going to solve that. You guys can have $10 million right now. If you have a scarcity mindset, the money, the amount of money will not make a difference. That is an inside job. And I think we are asking our money to do more emotional labor than it's capable of doing. You know? Yeah. And how do we get over that? I Because th I don't think you're wrong at all. I think that there are a lot of people in this space and just in general in life that have this scarcity mindset. I need more. I need more. Yeah. I will never have enough. 
Well, Mm -hmm. you know, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago about enough, the concept of enough, how you can define enough for yourself. And, you know, I think that's a really important exercise to go through as you're on your your journey to financial independence is to just define what, you know, what does enough mean for you? But, you know, how do you, how do you become comfortable with how much money you have? How do you go from scarcity to Mm -hmm. I have enough? So here's the thing. And one of the things I disagreed with when I was listening to Ramit on that podcast episode with you guys, he presents it as just spend more money. Just let yourself do it. And sure, you can do that, right? (laughs) Like you can swipe the card and you can spend the money. But if you're doing it begrudgingly, if the emotions behind it are still rooted in scarcity, you're taking the action, but you're not getting the benefit, the emotional benefit of spending money. You need to spend money willingly and joyously, right? And you're not going to get there by just forcing yourself to take the action. So I don't think the solution is just spend more money. I think the solution is deep inner work, deep inner work. And when I did this speech, I gave a list of like four or five books that have contributed to me shifting my mindset. You shift your mindset the way you shift the way you feel in your body. It's through deliberate action every single day and being very intentional in what you ingest mentally, right? Just like physically, you're, when you want to lose weight or get better physically, you're very intentional about what you ingest and how you exercise and how you behave. Same thing with mindset stuff. What you're reading, what you're listening to, the people you're surrounding yourself with, that's how you shift mindset. If you kind of, you have to be really intentional about that. And I think books are super helpful. So there is, and I want to look at actually the list of books that I recommended during this talk. When I talk about scarcity, I talk about these specific books. The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It's, it's rooted in stoicism. And that to me is a really empowering book because you are going to face obstacles in your life and with your money. And to be able to have a comfort level around, I can handle whatever life throws at me is a very empowering mindset to have. The other book is called The Pathless Path by Paul Millard. And he really helped me have a mental framework on being comfortable with uncertainty because the reality is it doesn't matter how much money you have. Life is uncertain. Something could happen that could complete. You could have a black swan event that could completely wipe you out. Maybe it's not statistically, you know, something you should worry about, but it's totally possible. And so to be able to embrace and be comfortable with uncertainty, I think is really important. There's another book called Do Nothing by Celeste Headley. I think this should be required reading for anyone quitting their job because you're about to open up a ton of space in your life. And I think most of us feel that we have a lot more intrinsic motivation than we actually do. And we are addicted to work and productivity is a part of our culture. You have to shift your mindset around that and you have to allow yourself to rest really allow it. Learning how to relax. That's a skill set. That is something that you train for. I do yoga nidra every day to train my body to let go of tension and relax. So that book, Do Nothing, I think is required reading for the fire movement. And then these next three books, 
are going to be a little out there for people. But if you're really serious about shifting your mindset, this is your extra credit. It's Not Your Money by Tasha Silver. That's about divine abundance. The Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein. And Sacred Rest by Sandra Dalton-Smith. If you read those six books and tell me that your mindset hasn't shifted, I would be shocked. Super cool. There's two more things I want to say, and then we'll wrap it up here. Diana, I know I've harassed you about this multiple times, and I'm going to continue to harass you about it until you actually do it. I know economy is not about you, but you need to get on the stage and and give some of this talk to the economy audiences. Five minutes, maybe have someone interview you, but this is, uh, I know. Oh, yeah, it's coming. Okay. I mean, I do an opening presentation, and I'm launching a mastermind program for nine people at the next, I'm, I'm nine people only, and you have to apply to get into it. And so I'm going to talk about this stuff around moving from scarcity to abundance and invite people to apply to this mastermind. So yeah, you are going to get see a, a lot of this content on the main stage at Economy oh, for sure. Awesome. And th- the other thing I'll say, I think the, I would say the FI community skews more towards Introverted people, maybe because we're some of us are. There's probably a higher percentage of engineers and people like that. Would you both agree with that? Um, I don't. I don't know that it would skew towards introverted people. Although, because when I go to these events, I'm constantly talking. Okay. And I'm mm-hmm. constantly talking with you know lots of other people. I'll tell you what I see with that. You know, a lot of people worry. Well, I'm an introvert. Am I going to be able to? not freak out in this kind of environment, right? Here's what I see. I see this wide spectrum of people in the fire movement. Some are like wildly extroverted like me. And then the other side of the spectrum of are people who are fairly quiet. And when I think about what does it mean to be an introvert versus extrovert, it doesn't necessarily mean I like people or I don't like people. It's really about where you get your energy from. When you're an introvert, even if you really like someone, you can find it a little bit draining to have too much human interaction. When you're an extrovert, you get so much energy from other people. But even as someone who is an extreme extrovert, if I'm with the wrong people, it will drain my energy. So that's actually one of the the uh, things in that book about sacred rest. She talks about social rest. And I thought she was going to say in that chapter, you know, be by yourself and don't be around so many people. But what she says is you got to be around the right people who give you energy, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And I will tell you that this room at Economy is the right people. This is such a warm and welcoming community. And I feel it when I'm on stage. Like I'm so sleep deprived up there and I'm so like, you know, there's so many things running through my brain and I get up in front of that audience and I can feel how warm and welcoming they are. And I get so much energy from that. It's like, there's a lot of love in that room. There really is. And everyone is rooting for each other because most of us are so self-sufficient that we don't need anything from anyone else. We're there to give. And you feel it. You feel it in the room. Even people that I know that are like, you know, those negative Nancys where you're just like, oh, you're so draining every time I talk to you. I know people like that that go to the economy conference and all of a sudden they're super warm. 
And it's because they're so influenced by the energy in that room. So if you're an, if you're an introvert and you're worried about that, that's totally valid because you've been in rooms that have drained you. But I would challenge you that your growth happens outside your comfort zone. And if you come to economy and you find that you're uncomfortable, there will be opportunities for you to restore your energy, right? You got to take care of yourself when you're in these kind of big events. I get that. But if I just think you should give it a try, right? And if it's not for you, then it's not for you. But you will never know unless you try. The one other thing I was going to say is I feel you because I am an introvert and I'm the person at a wedding meeting I went to. I went and sat in the car for a while because I couldn't take all Mm -hmm. the people. So Mm -hmm. I am the person who has stood against the wall, like looking down at my feet. I forget which economy it was, but I posted something on social media saying, hey, if you're coming, you should come talk to me. I'd love to meet new people. And this lady comes up to me at one of the parties and said to me, she's like, I'm I'm super shy, but you seem like a safe person to talk to. And we had a nice conversation. So if you're introverted, don't feel shy to come up and talk to Mindy or me. Mindy will talk your ear off. I'll talk to you. I probably won't talk as much as Mindy will, but but know that you're not alone (laughs) Like Diana said, I think introversion is a spectrum. And when you're with your people, you're not so much of an introvert anymore. Yeah. When you see him at economy, you're going to be like, you're an introvert? Really? Uh, I lose my voice. I have to have lozenges or else my voice goes away. I become an extrovert. I'm an economy economy extrovert? Econovert? I don't know. We'll think of a word. <laughs> Econovert is not the right word. But And I want to go a step further and say it's not just Mindy and Carl and Diana that are going to be able to talk to you. It's literally every person there. I remember being in conversations with people, just loose little groups all over the the space at the top of the stairs, and people would come up. And I watched in many different groups, the group expands to welcome in these new people. And even if they don't say anything, you can tell that they feel like they're part of the group. And I think it takes a lot of courage to walk up to a group that you don't know. But all of these groups, I never saw a group be like, we're talking, go away. Like everybody was super, super welcoming. Absolutely. So we cannot wait to see you in a couple, how many weeks are we? Like about eight weeks, right? Nine? Are we nine? Nine I don't know. Last I counted 10 and it feels like a year, like every day feels like a year because so much is happening. (laughs) Let's see. One, two, three, four. So when is economy? It is March 15th through 17th of 2024. So I don't know when this episode is going to air. March 15th through 17th of this year, we're looking at you know, nine weeks away, 10 weeks, something like that. And one other cool thing about economy is there is a unofficial, I have to stress that because Diana's not going to be there, but an unofficial opening party that Mindy and Doug are going to host. We're planning that right now. And And what day is that? That'll be Thursday, March 14th. Did I get the date right? Yes. March 14th. Yes. Yeah. So the, the conference is the 15th through the 17th. But if you want to take full advantage of the entire conference, plan on getting there on the 14th. And where can people find out more about economy? 
Yeah. So you can go to economyconference.com. And remember that economy is spelled with an M-E at the end, not an M-Y. If you're watching the video, you can see it on Carl's shirt. So economyconference.com, you can look at the schedule. You can look at the speaker lineup. You can look at all of our programming and you can buy your tickets there and use your discount code. Diana, this was so much fun talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks you so much, guys. Good to see you. And then you start the show. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I know. Are um, you serious? We can't curse? Uh, you can. We just might bleep you out. Oh, that's I okay. I do like cursing, but... Uh, I love what, cursing. Where did you get this policy from? I don't... That's not don't, how you guys speak in real life. I can get down with that. I didn't realize this was a family show. I'm, I'm not used to being on family shows, but well, I, I can totally with it. We literally just said it was a family show. I think I did okay. That was on you, Carl. We can't curse.